This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey, this is Tony Bruski from the podcast Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks. Cannot wait for August 24th to be with Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday live show at Columbia Steakhouse in Lexington, Kentucky. Tickets are only $15. You can get them through hillbillyhorrorstories.com. It's going to be a fun night as we hang out, do an episode of Hillbilly Horror Stories Live, talk ghosts, talk the undead. Maybe we'll even witness the ghost of a cow. It's a steakhouse after all. You hear those mysterious moves, you got to wonder... Are they back with blue cheese and mushrooms and onions on top? Delicious ghosts. Anyway, we'll see you there. Saturday night, August 24th, Columbia Steakhouse, Lexington, Kentucky. Real Ghost Stories Online, The Grave Talks, and Hillbilly Horror Stories for their birthday show. Get your tickets now at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode 155 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. And I am Todd. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, was you? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so we got Todd Hedges sitting in with us today. He uh, he wrote us a couple of months ago and said that uh, he wanted to come in and kind of see how we do things. And we've met Todd, obviously, through the, the live show that we did in Indianapolis and talked to him for basically the last two years online. Mm-hmm. So we were more than happy to have him come out. And uh, Tracy made her infamous baked spaghetti, as she does <laughs> for any guest who comes and sits in our house. <laughs> Shout out to Jackie Getz. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. Well, thank you, Todd. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank we, you, We Todd. go all out for our guests. It's noodles and sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Todd came out and he's sitting in with us tonight and just kind of learning how we do stuff, learning about how to make a podcast and all the nuts and bolts from beginning to end. And uh, we're learning as we go, right? Yeah, it's cool. You forgot the garlic bread. Oh, yeah, there was garlic bread and salad. I guess you want me to so throw that in too. You need to. Yes. And cheesecake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All that was good except the salad. I didn't have the salad. <laughs> or the cheesecake. You didn't have cheesecake. No, I didn't have the cheesecake. You know, yeah. So anyway, we like to start every show by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys so much for what you do. God bless you all. We're praying for you every day. There's Ninja. Yep, there's Ninja snoring. So, you know, I I was listening to something earlier today, and it kind of made me think. It was talking about, uh, actually, drug abuse and rehab, and the gentleman worked for a rehab center, and he mentioned that people a lot of times that are going through recovery, they suffer from depression. Mm -hmm. And when they suffer from their depression, their way of fixing the problem is going to a substance, one way, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs. And it just kind of got me thinking that, that, you know, in my situation, I don't know if this will help anybody listening, but in my situation, 
I've never been a drinker, never done any kind of drugs. So that's not been my area. So what I try to do, if I'm feeling a little bit depressed, I'll usually get up an hour, hour and a half early and I'll either work out or I'll just start my day a little bit early. And I look, the bottom line is in, in a lot of cases, not all cases, but in a lot of cases, if you're depressed, whether it lasts two days or whether it lasts five days, you can control some of it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I would mention that, you know, before we mention the suicide hotline as just something that may help somebody out there on how I handle these things without having any type of addiction. But it, with that being said, you know, keep that in mind. If you've got friends that, you know, have had substance abuse problems in the past and, you know, they battle depression, just try to uh, hang out a little closer to them and help out when you can. That's the best thing to do, I, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you need to talk to somebody, you can obviously go to our group. You could talk to Tracy or myself, or you can call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741. So we have a unique show tonight. And I know I say that every week, so I just forget I said that. We just have a show for you because otherwise I'm just going to say the same thing you would have expected anyway. So what's it about? I'm glad you asked, Tracy. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm here for. million-dollar <laughs> question. That's right. So we are doing phone calls from the dead. Oh, cool. So I was looking through a bunch of paranormal stuff, as, as I do when I'm trying to find new stories. And I had originally planned on doing something else this week, and I got so excited with this, I decided, let's just do this. So... I'm looking through these videos and stuff like that. I ran across something that I'd heard of but didn't realize how big of a thing it really was, which is going to be odd because I actually have a personal story about this, and it still never dawned on me to do this. But we're going to talk about phone calls from the dead. There's only one book that I could find on this subject. It was published in 1979, and it's called Phone Calls from the Dead, adequately enough, and it was written by two friends. D. Scott Rogo and Raymond Bayless. These guys, all we're going to say really for right now is point out that they were parapsychologists. They were psychic investigators and paranormal authors. They wrote a lot of books on the uh, um, paranormal stuff. So they were perfect for this. So they heard about their first case involving a call from the dead back in 1967, and they started researching everything that they could about possible co- possible cases mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Now, keep in mind, there was no internet back then, so yeah. you know it's going to be a little harder to find information. They even went as far as to put ads in magazines asking for uh, people to contact them if they'd ever had one of these calls. <laughs> Their book contains several dozen different documented cases from credible sources. Now, most of these cases were witnessed by more than one person, believe it or not. So, for example... One instance had two people in the same house on two different phones. So they both picked up. Now, some of these you got to go back to the old days of house phones. Oh, yeah. So they both picked up the phone at the same time, you know, because the phone rang and one Mm -hmm. picked it up from one room, one in the other. And they both spoke to this deceased person. Sometimes someone else would actually answer the phone and a deceased person would ask to speak to another person. And we're going to talk a a little bit about one of those cases a little bit later. I think I would have fainted, like seriously. (laughs) Wouldn't you? I mean, what would you actually do? I don't know. So 
there is some technical stuff that uh, Rojo and, and Bayless discuss in their book, and, and we might talk about some of it later. I don't know. I really wasn't all that fascinated with it, and it really wasn't as fun as the stories themselves. So I figured we would just talk about some of the calls, some of which, or at least one of which, involves a famous author that all of you will know. No. Oh. wonder who that is. You'll find out shortly. Okay. These calls tend to have similar descriptions. Now, these are cases where the line is just static. Others, though, they got someone speaking that sounds like they're a loved one or a friend. And sometimes this is after someone just passed away or possibly the call came years later after someone's passed away. Most times, though, it's within a couple of days of the victim or the, the person that dying. So, yeah, which brings me to a personal story I have involved. It's like I said, I, I didn't even think about this at the time. But when my mom we used to still be alive, when she would call my cell phone, she had an unlisted number at her house. Mm-hmm. And she also had an unlisted number on the cell phone. So when she would call from her cell phone, it would show up as anonymous. Mm-hmm. It's the only person that would call me that would show up as anonymous. I would get unknown. I would get out of area. I would get somebody. But the only one that was ever anonymous was my mom. Right after she passed away for like two or three days afterwards, I got two or three phone calls. Never anybody on there, but it would just be anonymous. And <gasps> I would answer the phone and there wouldn't be anybody there. And oh then gosh. I found out that my sisters and the house phone at my dad's house were all having calls at those same times. Stop. That were, that were just random. Because I don't know what it said on theirs. But it would just be like calls that nobody would be there. And it was all within oh, a couple of days. Oh, your mom mommy died. was calling. Yeah. That is so sweet. So yeah. Oh, my so gosh. That's cool. That's very cool. And there's Aww. a story that we're going to get into a little later that kind of runs into that same thing with multiple people being called. So. Oh, I really like that story. Yeah, very cool. And that reminds me, we're going to go back, but... Andrea Whitney, she came on and told the story about her friend Mm -hmm. that they say committed suicide, that she uh, doesn't think it's a suicide. She's tried to open the case back up. And if you remember, part of the story was she got a couple of calls that night. Her and her husband both heard the phone, and his name was on the caller ID. Yep. But, you know, and then I think if I remember correctly, like the second time, she tried to call it back or something. And But, I mean, the second time it called, I think she actually heard something on the other end that she believed was him. But I wow. mean, that was two cases just right there, just on people we've talked to that mm-hmm. had this. So that's amazing. Okay. So here's a few stories from other people. This story involves a train crash in the San Fernando Valley uh, in California. Now, 25 people lost their life this day. This was September 12, 2008. Two trains collided with each other. And it's because the, one of the conductors was not paying attention and was texting and slammed into the other train. Now, that is so bizarre. Like, texting on a train, even. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you would think that that couldn't happen. I mean, well, I mean, you got to be able to pay attention. I mean, other... Yeah, that's people, true. You know, trucks, cars could be on the tracks, anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So, one of these people was a gentleman by the name of Charles Peck. Now, Charles was 49 years old. He had two adult kids... And he had a fiance at this time, and he was in the area 
actually looking, had just really got to the area and was actually looking for a place to live because him and his fiance agreed that they were not going to get married until he was living in the area. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was there to begin with. Charles, unfortunately, was one of the people who perished in this accident, mm-hmm. and he died on impact. Charles's body, though, was not immediately found because of all the wreckage, as you could imagine. They found his body 12 hours after the wreck happened. Now, his family had received 35 phone calls in the first 11 hours after the accident from Charles's phone. No way. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Once they found him, the coroner confirmed that Charles had died immediately and there was no possible way he could have made, made those phone calls. Wow. His family never heard his voice on any of these phone calls, and they just kind of heard some static a little bit, and they just hung on the hope that he was alive. He was probably in the wreckage somewhere, and that's why he wasn't saying anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how else in the world could they be getting these calls if he wasn't alive? At least that was their, their thought. Investigators found the body, but they never did find the phone. So even though they never found the phone... The constant calls is what led him, basically, to keep searching for his body. What in the world? Now, I told you one of these stories was going to involve a famous author, mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss. Okay, I'm just kidding. It's not Dr. Seuss. Oh, I was going to like, yeah, I know him. Yeah, really. <laughs> I know that guy. The author was Dean Kuntz. September 20th, 1988, Dean was working in his office, and the phone rang. So keep in mind, this was an unlisted number. We're back in 1988. It's unlisted numbers back then. It's his personal. This is somebody who was well-known, so they would have had a phone number that only friends and relatives would have had. So the phone rings. He answers it. It's a female's voice on the other end that sounded distant, like the phone was on speaker and, and this person was across the room. Now, he said he spoke, or she spoke, rather, with a sense of urgency. And the only thing that she said when he picked up the phone was, please be careful. Obviously, he was startled because that's kind of a strange way to start off a phone call. Yeah. He asked, who is this? But he didn't get a response. Then the woman repeated, please be careful, three more times. And each time her voice became more distant. That's so creepy. Then the call just ended. He said he just sat there for a few minutes perplexed. He said that voice sounded eerily like his mother. But his mother had been dead for almost 20 years. So he thought, you know, a voice is harder to remember over time than what a face is. So maybe he's just being melodramatic. He knew that with an unlisted number, though, that it probably wasn't a prank. So maybe somebody just misdialed a number and the call wasn't meant for him to begin with. He told his wife, but he didn't tell anybody else about the incident. He said it was a strange call and he doesn't claim that it was a ghost. He doesn't know what to believe. Kuhn said that sometimes he believes that it was his mom and other times just a strange wrong number. But he finds it comforting to think that there is a realm where the personality does survive. When what are we supposed to be careful of? Well, we're getting to it. Oh, good. I thought that was the end of it. I was like, dang. You know, I set you up. I know you do. That's the cool story on its own, but that's not the end of the story. Two days after his call, Kuntz went to visit his father at a mental health facility. 
His father, Ray, was having some behavior problems, and he was giving the staff fits. Now, he'd never been known to be violent, but he apparently had punched a resident that was using a walker, so the staff was concerned, and they asked Dean if he would come and talk to his father. Now, what Dean didn't know was that his dad had recently bought a yellow-handled fishing knife. He oiled the hinge so that this thing would open up just like a uh, switchblade. And he also sharpened it to be razor sharp. So Dean comes into the room. Ray goes over to a drawer, immediately grabs the knife, and comes and lunges right at Dean Kuntz. The staff sees what's going on. They immediately call the police. So Dean manages to finally wrestle the knife away from his father, and he just missed being slashed. He grabs the knife, he walks out into the hall, just as the police get there. The police see him with the knife. Oh, Lord. They draw the guns and order him to drop the knife. Well, Dean tries to explain to him that it's not him that they want, and he points to his dad's room and said, hey, it's, it's him that you want. Now, what the police repeated, drop the knife, with her weapon still pointed at him. And Dean said he froze. He said he realized at that point that they were going to shoot him if he didn't drop the knife. They thought he was the attacker, so he just thought, and he said he dropped the knife. He said it was one of the worst moments of his entire life. His stupidity almost got him killed. That was his words. Police realized eventually that Ray was a dangerous one and he was taken to a psychiatric ward for observation. So after the dust settled on all this, Kuntz thought about that mysterious phone call. The warning from possibly his mom telling him to be careful. So he thinks that the phone call made him more careful and possibly even saved his life that day. Wow. Where was the nurses at? That's all that's going on. Why wouldn't they like, no, not him, not him? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the witnesses? Yeah, I mean, why would they not say that? I've been peed in my britches that by standing there. Uh, Yeah. The whole police thing, yeah. Oh. Hmm. You guys want to hear a few short ones? Yeah. Yeah. So, this next one, it's kind of a cool story. And it, it, it happened to a gentleman by the name of Matt. But his brother, Jeremy, had a friend named Joe. Joe was young, vibrant, great personality, always is one of those guys that whenever he was in the room, you knew it. He had a very distinct voice, and that comes into play in a little bit. Joe all of a sudden found out he was sick, and he went downhill really quick, and he ended up dying of a heart problem. One day they're in the house, and Matt, phone rings. This is about two weeks after... after, uh, Joe had passed away. So the phone rings. Matt picks it up. And there's somebody that sounds exactly like Joe. And he says, Matt, it's Joe. It's Jeremy home. Something really strange is going on. Matt was totally freaked out. He didn't know what to say. So he literally just kind of stuttered and said, no, he's not. I'm sorry. And then the phone hung up. He looks at the caller ID. It says out of area. He tries to dial star 69, which mm-hmm. older people will remember. No number was listed. They never got another call from Joe. But he, Matt says he knows for a fact that that was Joe. Had to be. He said he had the, that unique voice mm-hmm. and nobody would have played a, a prank like that. Oh my gosh. I wonder what he wanted. 
well, he wants to know what the hell's going on because he said something <laughs> strange was going on. I would have been like, you're dead. You're dead, Matt. That comes up later, too. People oh. do say that. So this this young lady talked about her husband lost her grandpa. This was a long time ago. Recently, he started seeing his grandfather's name showing up on the caller ID of his phone. So they just assumed that somebody was calling from grandpa's house. But then they found out that nobody was at the house at the time these calls were coming. That was the first time, anyway. So then the second time that it happened, he was at work and some co-workers heard the phone ring. He picks it up and all it is is a dial tone, which is odd. Now, this gets tricky because his phone really didn't have a caller ID. I said it was showing up on caller ID. What it was showing up on was the call out log. You know how you used to have the phone that, like your cell phone, but it would show all the calls you just made. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's what it was. And he had seen it as an outgoing call. But the phone rang and oh. his coworkers heard it ring, but it showed as an outgoing call to his grandpa's house. Weird. That's bizarre. This next one comes from a woman who worked for the Department of Social Services. Now, part of her job was to help people like if they needed help with their utilities, mm-hmm. okay, like a, a, a bill. And there was this young lady, I say younger lady, she was an elderly lady rather, and she needed help with her utilities. And they were cutting her a $100 check to pay for the utilities. So just as she sits down writes the check out, she's getting ready to close the file. Phone rings. It's this lady. And the lady says, basically, you can never mind. I'm not going to be needing that $100. And the lady said, okay, well, that's cool. So she, you know, makes a note of it. And she just continues on doing the rest of her work. She gets home. She's reading the paper, looking back and forth stuff. She gets to obituaries. No. She sees... That lady's name that she just talked to earlier, she had passed away the day before. <gasps> the day before the lady was issuing, like giving yeah, her the, the check? Day be- the day before oh. she called. So, so when she talked to her, it was the day after she had passed away. Oh, now see how nice of that was her, you know, save her 45 cents or whatever <laughs> for the stamp. <laughs> that was nice. What a sweet lady. That's so crazy. So this next one is this woman who was really close to her mom. And her mom passed away three years before. It was Christmas. She's really missing her mom. She goes to bed. She wakes up in the middle of the night because the phone's ringing. She picks up the phone and she hears a voice say, hello there. Now, her mom had a very unique voice and she had a really thick Norwegian accent so she knows it was her mom she said but the phone was really staticky and she tells her mom after she says hello there she says this can't be you mom you're dead and the the voice suddenly agitated said oh come on and then hung up and the lady says she knows for a fact that she wasn't dreaming because her 16-year-old daughter in the room next to her heard the phone ring also. 
She was probably like, I went to all this trouble to call you and you're going to tell me it ain't me. <laughs> I wonder what the accent sounded like. I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. I think, it, I th- I'm, I'm going to speculate with the risk of getting uh, racism tweets, like when we did the <laughs> Japanese thing, I would think it was a lot like the Swedish chef in a spork, a spork, a spork, a spork. Oh, yeah. That's my guess. Really? Hmm. That's my guess. Yeah. I don't know. Could be. Dang, I wish my mom called me. That would be so cool. Well, if she tried to leave a message, she'd be screwed because you don't have your voicemail set up. I'm going to set it up as soon as I get off here. <laughs> so this next story's got a few twists and turns to it, okay? So you got Frank and Sadie Jones. They lived in Lancashire, England. The Jones family felt like that their home was haunted. Why did they think this? Probably because the previous owners told them that it was haunted. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so the Joneses started having encounters of their own. So much so that they named the entity The Thing. These encounters included water faucets turning on, uh, furniture just kind of moving on its own, and bed sheets being ripped off. They had the house exercised. Things seemed like they were better, but five years later, their son died from a brain tumor, and three months after that, Sadie died of a heart attack. Oh, no. Awful. Sadie was addicted to her cell phone, so much so that she was buried with it. Oh, boy. Soon after, Frank and other family members started getting calls and texts from her phone. One day, Frank got a call from the home phone. Now, this was odd for a couple of reasons. One, he was the only one living there. Two... He hadn't been staying there because of all the memories and stuff in the house. He was trying to stay away. So when he got this call, he wanted to go check it out to see what the deal was. So he gets to the home and he could smell the distinct smell of Sadie's perfume and her cigarettes. Frank thinks that maybe this had something to do with the entity that they had had problems with years before. He doesn't necessarily think that it was Sadie. Mm-hmm. He thinks it may be the thing. What if it was Sadie calling saying, I'm still alive, you dumb butts. <laughs> you buried me in here. What if it had happened? Oh. That would have been good. It definitely would have had to have been something better than Sprint Service or it wouldn't have been able to make it through the <laughs> dirt in the coffin. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Craziness. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. So we've talked about calls from the dead that came from the dead to you, but what about some where you called somebody who's deceased? <gasps> Can you do that? Tell me. Apparently so. Well, I want to know how. So the first story is from Callie, and it was in the late 1990s. David was taking a nap on the couch in the living room. He was having a dream about his brother who had passed away a year earlier. He couldn't remember the exact details of the dream, but he did remember that his brother kept mentioning the same sequence of numbers over and over. So he wakes up. He decides to write down these numbers. He kept looking at these numbers and he kept looking at them. And he said, man, they look familiar, but I can't, I just don't, I can't figure out what it is. Then it finally hit him. This was his grandparents' phone number in San Diego. They had been dead for 10 years, though. Growing up, David and his brother used to call and talk to them all the time. Mm-hmm. So he's sitting there, and he's looking at these numbers, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to call this number. It's probably disconnected. 
or somebody else has the number, but I'm going to call that number. He said he remembers it ringing four or five times. A woman answers the phone, an elderly woman. He asked if Dottie was there because that was his grandma's name. She asked, who is this? He said, David. He said then, the only thing he can really describe it was it's kind of like surprised laughing. And she says, oh my God, it's been so long. David was confused and wondered if this was a kind of joke. And he says, who is this? He said the woman sounded confused and said, it's Nana. Nana is what David and his brother called his grandma, and only his family and his uncle family knew this. David said he couldn't believe that this was happening. He said, Nana. She said, yes, it's good to hear from you, David. Let me go get your grandpa. He's in the rompus room in the back. David said that his grandparents had a garage in the back that they had converted into like a... Um, a pool room that it had a bar, a pool table, and a sofa in it, and that they always referred to that as their rumpus room. Oh, my gosh. David said that then the line got really noisy, and it just got like a squeal, mm-hmm. and then it went dead. He said he tried to call the number back, but as soon as he did, it said it was disconnected. Oh. He said he knows he wasn't dreaming, and he knows that whoever it was knew things that only his family could have known. Oh, man. That is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, too. Oh, my goodness. He did He did also go on to say that he he felt happy that he got to talk to his grandma, but he felt sad that he didn't get to talk to her longer, and he didn't get to talk, talk to his grandpa. grandpa. Yeah. All right. That's so cool. This one is by Mary B. And this one's a really cool story. Now... Mary B. used to work for one of those long-distance companies that would always call your phone and try to get you to switch companies. Mm -hmm. So this is April 26th. I don't know the year. She's making a sales call to a home in Pennsylvania. She tried. um, The lady answers the phone. It's an elderly lady. And she says, is this Mrs. You know, whoever? And she said, yes, it is. She said, would you be interested in switching services? And the lady goes on and has this big, long conversation with her. She said, I've tried to get my husband to switch several times to carriers, but he won't do it. And he's starting to make a lot of calls to North Carolina, and the calls are getting longer and longer, and the bill's really getting up there. But he's married to AT&T and refuses to change. She said, since he retires, he spends so much time fishing, he's hard to even get a hold of. But it's his decision. He makes all the decisions in the family. And you can probably reach him in the morning. That'd be the best time before he goes fishing. So the lady's thinking, okay, this sounds like a good uh, uh, good chance to make a sale. It sounds promising. So I'll call back in the morning. So the next day she calls back and she gets the husband. She introduces herself and says she spoke to the missus yesterday. And she said that she should call him this morning. You could imagine her shock when the man said, Lady, I'm not sure who you spoke to, but my wife died a few days ago, and I'm not in any mood to talk to anybody, and hung up. Oh, man. She was still trying to get that dang thing changed. Yeah. <laughs> Even in the <laughs> afterlife. Yeah, I'm kidding. Oh, man. Two more quick ones. I was going to make that the last one, but I added a couple. One of them I don't even have written down. 
<laughs> so that one we'll do we'll do this one. So this one is another one of those, even though it doesn't fit. This is another one of the call in ones where so this lady is at work and there's a new hire next to her in a cubicle next to her. So this lady named Mary goes to lunch. Well, her phone starts ringing, and the lady, Betty, that works next to the cubicle, says, well, I'll go answer the phone because I don't want to miss a call. Gentleman answers the phone and says, is so-and-so there? And she didn't recognize that name. She's like, no, I don't have, we don't have anybody here that works, works here by that name. And he said, oh, I, no, I'm sorry, is Mary there? She said, yes, Mary, Mary works here, but Mary is out to lunch. Can I take a message? He said, yes, let her know that her brother called, and I missed her at the recent family function. She writes it down and puts a note on Mary's desk. When Mary gets back, she says, Betty, I'm confused about this this note you left me. She said, well, your brother called and said he had missed you at a family function. And she said, but my brother's dead. And then she finds out that that first name he asked for was a nickname that that her brother used to call her. Uh. So somebody called that phone when she wasn't there and then left a message and it sounded a lot like it was And she did say she just did miss a family function. Mm. Well, at least they left a message. That's true. You know what I hate in real life? When somebody hasn't got their voicemail set up and no. can't leave a message? When somebody at my work calls <laughs> and I go through my whole spill and they sit there through the whole spill on the answer machine and then they don't say a damn word. What is the point of that? I don't know. Why are you going to listen to the whole thing and then just hang up? I don't know. Do you feel me? I feel you. I know what you're talking about. It's aggravating to no end. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. All right, last one. This is kind of a cool story. So this young lady, she goes to her mom's house. She spending like some time there during the summer. And her friend Jessica is at Jessica's cousin's house. So she wants to get a hold of Jessica. She gets out the phone book. And she looks up because she knows Jessica uh, or her cousin lives with her mom and her grandma. She gets out the phone book and she finds that name because it was the only name in the phone book that was that name, same right address. She picks up the phone and calls. This old lady answers the phone. And she says, is Amelia there? That was Jessica's cousin. And she says, no, baby, she's not here right now, but I'm expecting her shortly. I'm her grandmother. Can I take a message? She said, yeah, just let her know that I called. Well, she didn't think anything of it because, like I said, she knew she lived with her mom and grandma. A couple of days later, she sees her friend Jessica. Hadn't heard from her. And she's like, you know, hey, basically, hey, thanks for calling me back. She's like, what do you mean? She said, I called the other day and talked to Amelia's grandmother, and she said she'd give you the message. And she said, Amelia's grandmother's dead. And she said, and we were at the house all day long. Matter of fact, we were sitting right next to the phone the whole day. That that is weird. <laughs> oh, I hate that. You know this. I do know this. Ugh. Terrible. So I'm seeing a theme here. Yeah. It's <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. You know? Um, Hard to comprehend, really. I wonder really how many, many, many more people that's happened to That's a good question. Because remember I told you that we were going to get into the technical side of stuff. Um, and I told you I didn't know if I would or not. Well, part of what they said, the, the what was it, the BOGO or ROGO or whatever, they, uh, Joe Rogan, uh, whoever it was. <laughs> now, those guys that wrote the book, they had made comments 
that what was the question? I wonder how many, many, many oh, more. They made the <laughs> sorry. Mm, they made the, me. They made the comment that most people don't feel like that anybody would believe them, or they're not even sure that that's what really happened. So they mm-hmm. don't tell anybody. Mm. So there probably are literally hundreds or thousands of these things yeah. that happen. Nobody's they never even told anybody. About. Yeah, well, I mean, why would somebody believe that? So. Anyway, I would say it. I would tell. Yeah, somebody. I would too. Because I you would don't believe me, then fine. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <sighs> I'm somebody calls me. Especially with a family member. Yeah, that would be that so would be great. Really, really yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, exciting, that would be a blessing. Yeah. There are so many of these stories out there, though. It's amazing. I mean, I could have picked thirty more. Mm. There was one I thought was cool. These these. Uh, guy and his friends they were they were over at like a small castle and i'm trying to remember i think it was ireland that that'd be unimportant because the the context is the same but they were the only ones there you know the the his grand one of the guy's grandpa owned it and it was kind of a little bit out of the way and he just let them use it but they didn't have anybody there that other than them four i think it was Mm -hmm. so they were out doing something they were at a restaurant or something they weren't at the castle anymore and some other friends showed up and they're like well, you know, how did you know we were here? And they said, oh, we called the castle. And the lady answered, and she told, told us she were here. And they were like, there was nobody back at the castle. Plus, nobody knew where they were going. Yeah. You know, so right. it was just, but there's just a bunch of, of stories like that. Yeah. So Very interesting. Anyways, that's just a bunch of stories that we have. Very cool stories. Now, Todd, it's not exactly the same thing, but you've got a uh, something you were telling us about earlier that kind of still fits in with it when we're talking about, you know, electronic. Yeah, absolutely. So I was telling Tracy there was a guy, uh, upper 80s, uh, longtime member of our church that we go to, uh, he and his wife. Um, so he had a stroke and had cancer at the same time. So he was battling that for the last few months and then got better then got worse and had a heart attack and passed away. And that was probably almost two months ago, I would say. And I was telling Tracy that I got on Facebook Messenger not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw his name on the Messenger. But not only that, it was the active, you know, the little green light. Mm. And I thought, no way, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought, and his wife, I don't see her getting on there. And I don't think his kids would be on there so like why would his name be on there on the messenger mm-hmm. but not only that would be it was active yeah and i thought should i should i message you know i thought do i really want to do this or not you know? right, and right. Just, but it, and i got emotional i told my wife and she's like oh i said no i'm telling you it, it was on there and it was active and I, I did not message though i didn't try it we had that situation yeah. a friend of ours passed away from cancer and uh I remember it was a little while later, and we just—I remember looking and showing her that it, she showed up there as active okay. uh, on Messenger. It's just, yeah. It's well, gone. now I'm kicking myself because I thought maybe I should have done that. Maybe I should have mm-hmm. messaged just to see. I, but you should, like, you but need, how silly is that? You know, how silly. Well, is. you know, just next time if you see it on there, I would say something. You know, and, Why I, not? and I get on there and I'll see friends, and I—I I haven't seen him on there since. Mm-hmm. I missed my opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's weird. But. I mean, it's, it's very weird when you do see that. Um, uh, I know that sometimes family members can get on there and get onto their account. I don't know how they do it, but. Well, now, and I don't know but if why you're. Why would they? You know? I don't yeah. know if you're aware of this, but now you can take accounts where someone's passed and make a memorial accounts. 
Oh, and it, I did and not it shows know that. When you click on it, that it shows that they passed on, and 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 what it is is you had they had people complaining that you know after a while of being not used, Facebook would either delete it or something like that, and people were like they didn't want to delete it, and mm-hmm. they they wanted to have those pictures that were on there, and they wanted to be able to still. Um, leave messages on their wall or something like that so now you can actually change oh them i had no idea memorial. you could do that that's cool that's a very good idea yeah it is now, y'all freaked me out though oh i'm sure it did I one of my co-workers the other mm-hmm. day and she yeah she thought that was neat but mm-hmm. she's very like, no cool way. I, thought, I don't know it was it was mm-hmm. <laughs> that's there. very cool yeah. so let's get into some housekeeping we've got itunes reviews and patreon supporters before we get into that I got a. I told Maria Miller I would do this. The Atchison, Kansas show is 100% sold out, but very big but. Whoop, whoop. Kim Kardashian but. There <laughs> is. <laughs> there are tickets available for the other events. Let's not forget. There's a tours of the Sally House. There's an investigation of the Sally House. There's six and seven p.m. haunted trolley rides, and there's cemetery walks. Tickets for all those are available. On our website, there yep. are discounted, and they're going to start. If they don't start selling uh, all of them out, they got to release them to the public. But I oh. want you people who have already bought tickets to have the first chance to do those. So go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Go to the events page. When you see the uh, Atchison show, you'll see all the the buttons underneath with all the um, tickets. I think for those I things. think I seen a message the other day about if we there was any tickets for that. Yeah, not that, I think they knew the show was sold out, but right. for the other so stuff, so that's where it's at, and just go go find it on there. Also, we've got the August twenty fourth, Lexington, Kentucky. Tony Bruski, host of the, uh, the Grave Talks, and he'll uh, he'll really horror stories. He don't host that show. We do that one, I think. But uh, host of Real Ghost Stories Online will be in Lexington. We're going to be at a steakhouse, and it is going to be a fun ass show. So. Get your tickets and come. We might even bring Ninja out, but probably not. Just forget I said that. Okay. <laughs> he is the star of the show, though. Yep. Yeah. Leave him in the, we can have him on leash in the parking lot. Tracy, what do we got on iTunes? We got a buttload of reviews, which we are very happy about. Thank you, guys. Um, Wolf Woman 12, not your typical age group. Kyra Bonbon Mojo 88. Uh, y'all have to bear with me with some of these. D3, Athy, Hollow 7, Ty, Rally. Now, this next one is about 5,000 letters, but I'm going to say every dang one. Got me? Okay. SHD, HHD, HSGG, SHS, BZ, Bus. And a partridge in a pear tree. Wowza. Um, ABP Finance, Bridger Y61, K Cummins, Kimmy Smith 2011, LK Lazy, and TT Veg. All right. That was a bunch, and they were good. They were all nice, very nice. And Thank you, you didn't guys. put that one on there, did you? No, because whatever. We had one that left us a review, and he hadn't even listened to the show yet. And the title of the review said. I'm going to give this a try, and I'll get back to you. And gave it three stars. Yeah. So hadn't even listened yet, but gave it three stars. I ain't mad at him yet, so yeah, I was just like, you too. <laughs> "That's true. <laughs> that's very true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. that's right." So. so what do we got Patreon wise? All right, we have Gabrielle Hellman, Klasmer, Bar Wells, Mario Cobus, 
B. Menke84, Misty, and Jen Casto. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really, really appreciate it, guys. Yep, you guys are awesome. So, we can go two ways with this. We have another segment at the end. I would highly suggest if you have children or virgin ears. <laughs> I already know what you're saying. Uh, not, <laughs> not, not, not to listen, because we have the third installment of Amanda's Take. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've heard Amanda, then you know what you're getting into. Yep. So, if uh, you don't want to hear Amanda, then you can end the show right now. We're done for the week, and see you guys next week. But if you want to hear a little bit of excitement and uh, only kind of humor that Amanda can bring to the table, then stick around and listen to this. But we'll see you guys next week. All right, we're back for another installment of Amanda's Take. Amanda, welcome aboard. Oh, hey, what's up? Well, the excitement level is just over the top. Sorry, I told you about the sandal situation, man. It's (laughs) upsetting to me. (laughs) Okay. okay, I need you to focus. I know that's hard for you to do. A little bit. But I need your focus. So I'm going to tell you this story. And this is right up your alley, so to speak. Of course it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The story is, why would a space alien probe your anus? It says, <laughs> even though they are technologically and infinitely superior, able to travel at velocities surpassing the speed of light. We are asked to believe that when they finally get to Earth, their first order of business is to probe the human rectum using proctology instruments dating back to horse and buggy days. Actually, that's incorrect. Anal probes are not their first order of business. According to the voluminous They've Already Visited Us literature, these aliens' first order of business is to build the pyramids, erect Stonehenge, and then place a giant rock where what is modern-day Honduras, a rock so prodigious in its weight and dimensions that even today we don't have the cranes and levers capable of moving it. So, of course, saying dumb stuff like this raises more questions and answers. So did these aliens bring this humongous rock with them? What was the part of the game plan to transport a huge stone to Earth and drop it to Central America just to mess with our heads? Or did they just travel light and produce this giant rock once they got here? Which raises another question. How does one build a rock? As for constructing these pyramids, why would they do something like that to begin with? Why would they bother with it? And did they do it alone? Stone by stone? Or did they use local laborers? If they did it alone, that seems needlessly painstaking and time-consuming. You'd think they would rather have spent their time doing something more productive like anal probes. So when I've posted this question to true believers, they say that aliens probably used pyramids as navigational landmarks. Again, an awkward question. So they can travel literally a trillion miles across the universe, but they can't find Mesopotamia without a landmark. When you get to that big pointy thing, Fred, you're going to want to hang a sharp left. Any amateur astronomer who's even casually considered extraterrestrial life has to agree with the conclusion reached by 19th century biologist and naturalist Thomas Huxley, who said, according to Huxley, the universe is teeming with life. It's crawling with life forms all over different sizes and shapes, 
most of them beyond our imagination. So Huxley used the example of two fruit flies, one living in Tahiti, the other living in Siberia. Let's say the odds of those two insects meeting each other were something in the neighborhood of 10 million to 1, compared to the staggering odds of any life form on Earth meeting a life form of alien life. Those fruit flies hooking up is practically a sure thing. Add another 20 zeros. So, Amanda. Yeah. What is your take on aliens finally meeting up with us and the first thing they're doing is anal probes? This is what I think. I think that they used anal probe as a threat to get everyone to do all of the building and the construction work. Think about that. If you don't build this stone thing, we're going to put something up your balloon knot. That is what's going to happen. And they got scared, and they did it. If you think about it, like, you know how they're talking about storming Area 51? Yep. Okay, right. Could you you imagine if you came prepared with your own butt plug, and you were like, here I am, come and get me. And, like, I just, I feel like there was definitely some some bribing going on there. Like, if you don't do this, we're going to literally go through your belly button and check out all your insides, but also through your butthole, but maybe out of your mouth. We're not sure. So you need to do all this stuff. And I'm going to go back to, like, you know how there's different species of aliens? They don't ever touch on what species it could have been. It could have been the ones that look like, what do you call those things, Priamantises? Didn't yeah. didn't someone get abducted and say, oh, it's a Priamantis? Or... It's the the grays. I think they're just called the grays, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that like the butt stuff. They love butt stuff from what I'm gathering. And then you have the ones that are like super sweet and nice and they and they're almost like angelic. You've you've heard of them. What are they? Are they what are they? I don't know, like E. T. No, they're not like E. T. They're like beautiful. They're so beautiful that your head might explode from what I'm understanding. They're like a cross between Jesus and Fergie. That is, what I'm, <laughs> that is what I'm being told. That is what I've, anytime someone like says, oh, I was abducted by this beautiful creature. Who was it? Barney Hill? Was it Barney Hill? Not Barney and Betty Hill. The other guy there who's, um, I can't think Travis of his name. Walton? Yes, I believe it was him. And like, he was like, yeah, I got abducted and I was, and there was a UFO in the middle of the road. But this person, he was so beautiful. I think, like, I think that's him. And that's what he describes them. I don't believe that those were the people that were doing the anal probe. And I, I think it was either the grays. Oh, you know what? Or the reptilians, right? Are they aliens or are they just like creatures? <laughs> I think reptilians are supposed to be aliens as well. Yeah. So maybe it was a reptilian. Reptilians do the butt stuff. I also call butts like buttholes, balloon knots because they look like a balloon knot of a blow a balloon up. Yes. And you look at the light, but that looks like a balloon knot. Does it not? Doesn't your bottle look like a balloon knot? It does. Look at yourself in the mirror. Check it out. Well, Get this, down with This it. is going to come as a shock to you, but I don't normally check out my butthole in the mirror, so that's not something I could readily answer. Well, you should do it sometime and check it out. You will be amazed. Also, I'm going to go back to Zach Baggins. Let's let him do it. Let's ask him. We should see what he's got to say. You know what I mean? Like, I'm obsessed with him because I don't like him, which is weird because you think I would like him because I'm obsessed with him. But I'm but I'm obsessed with them because I just, I can't stand them. So <laughs> I would like to see what his take is on that, and I'm and I'm curious what he would say. What do you think he would say? What his take is on the anal probing? Yeah, just in general. 
No, his take on the anal program. Pro- <sighs> that, pro- that, what is it? Anal probing. Anal. <laughs> anal, anal pro. Say that over and over again. Anal pro. You know what I found? Astroglide. I wonder if you presented aliens like you were ready to go and you were like, okay, fine. Beam me up, Scotty. And you have your Astroglide and your butt plug and your gear. Maybe you're into GIMP and you're just like, oh, let's fucking, let's get weird. And the alien wouldn't even know what to do. Wait a minute. You're into what? GIMP? Not GIMP. I think it's GIMP. Isn't that GIMP when they dress up in the weird black suits with the weird faces and and they're like, oh, I'm going to beat you to death. You're but they don't. Weird, you're into some weird shit. I have no clue what you're talking about half the time. Isn't that, you know, American Horror Story, the first episode, or not the first, the first season, rather? I remember that, but I don't, oh, I know oh, what you're talking about. Oh, and he dresses up in black and he ghost fucks her and she's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> that, my friend, is how I would go up to space. I would be a weird gimp guy. What is up? <laughs> I'm not building your weird shrines around the world. Not doing it. Just put me out of my misery. I'm come prepared. And do you know what I would do? Do you know what kind of butt plug I would have? No. It would be. <laughs> I feel like you're afraid to like want to know. It would be an alien giving a peace sign. That would be my butt plug because it would just be like, that's my butt plug. There you go, guys. So honestly, this has gotten way off track per the use. Um, I definitely think that the aliens the aliens there was different tribes of aliens and i wholeheartedly believe that like the beautiful jesus and fergie cross did all this wonderful stuff i think that there was some threats going on like if you don't build this beautiful statue that we are never going to know what it is so it's it's kind of useless in a way because it's just a rock and the thing and you can't do anything with it it's stuck there (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of like a ha-ha to you, you know what I mean? So there was probably like, if you don't build this, we are going to fuck your day up. And we're going to we're gonna dump you off in the middle of the woods after we anal probe you. Maybe you'll be alive, maybe you'll be dead. We're not sure. And so that's why pyramids got built, and that's why those rocks with faces got built. I can't think of the name of them right now. I sound so dumb. You're talking what about the, Easter, the Easter Island statues? Yeah, those guys. Like, you know? So you think those were aliens? That made those. I definitely do. How, how, what, you're gonna tell me? <laughs> you're gonna tell me that the, the friggin' humans, tiny humans, did that? There's no way. Absolutely <laughs> no way. The pyramids don't even get me started. You know, some little alien was like, "I'll help you," but in return, you're gonna do something for me. I mean, you're not just gonna build these things and not get anything in return. Because if I was going to build a giant building, I'd be like, you are going to do something <laughs> catastrophic. So you ha- like, there'd be no way to repay me. You, I would just make you do one terrible thing and we would be all set. <laughs> so if that meant getting down and dirty with your butt, I mean, buttholes, they're not that terrible if you think about it. I mean, they're gross, but <laughs> there might be some pleasure in that. What if you're a freak and you like it in the butt? Could be a great day for you. I could see that. Like, oh, let me get some Astroglide. This is TMI, but I definitely found some Astroglide. I don't know why I have it. I've never used it, but I found it. So <laughs> I'm sure that. you haven't. So, <laughs> so what is your take on crop circles? My tape and my oh, I think those are bullshit. Those I don't believe in. That's you're gonna tell me some stupid 
no offense, redneck goddamn guy with his shirt off and suspenders on with his little hat bent down. He's not out there going, Wah-hoo! and he's like making all these little circles, being like, I'm going to fool everyone. And he's on his little, he's on his little John Deere, or maybe he's got a lawnmower. And he's just out there having a grand old time. I don't think crop circles are real. Like Those I don't believe in for some reason. It's, it's up there with Bigfoot for me. Bigfoot and crop circles. And Zach Baggins. <laughs> you don't believe in Zach Baggins? You don't but think he exists? Stupid. No, but you know, you know what's funny? is like, so me and Big Mama, as I told you, we'll, we'll discuss him in great detail. And we make fun of him all the time. And it's great. I love... I. I love making fun of him. So, um, so this is off topic too. But me and Big Mama, I'm gonna have to send it into you. Not send it into you. I guess you, maybe I could just do it. Me and we're gonna get drunk at this place called Howl at the Moon, and we're gonna fake podcast, and then I'm gonna send it to you somehow. <laughs> okay. And we're gonna and every so everything we do, I'm gonna write down, and I'm gonna pretend to be you, and Big Mama's gonna <laughs> pretend to be me. And we're going to do that. I think it would be so funny. What did you tell me earlier about you like to save weird stuff to your phone and your mom got your phone earlier? Yeah. So I. All right. I don't know if this is going to be offensive. If it is, just cut it out. So my friend, Bay Mama, yeah, let's, terrified. Yeah, let's don't talk about that. Okay. Let's just go on to the fact that you've got horrible things in your phone. I've got horrible things in my (laughs) phone. I've got a vagina smoking a cigarette. I've got whale shit. I've got, obviously, what we discussed earlier with the nugget porn. Uh, I got pictures of, like, Bigfoot's dick. I've got pictures of, um, what else? I can't even. I have so many things on there. My Google history is so fucking gross. It's so bad. I have to delete it every once in a while. Like, my mom will go, like, I'll be like, Mom, what's this? Because I'm very, like, close to my mom. We have a very close relationship. So I'll be like, hey, Mom, I'll, like, we, I'll read her weird facts about stuff, like like elephants and how they fuck on Sundays. You know what I mean? She's like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so I have I have that. Elephants fucking on a Sunday afternoon. I got, um, like, just, there's this Aunt Jemmy. I don't know if you know who she is. She's on Instagram. You guys should definitely check her out. She, she has, um, like, photos of gruesome accidents or, like, gruesome injuries. And let me tell you. They will mess up your day. And I have showed those to my mother. <laughs> so I have no shame. I'm like, Mom, check out this guy's weird exploded dick. She's like, no. <laughs> like, like, hey. And my husband used to be an EMT. So, like, he shows me stuff. And, like, I'll screenshot them or he'll send them to me. And I just will send them to, like, whoever I feel like it. I haven't done it to you yet because I don't know how far I can push with you. But I will eventually. <laughs> Like, I don't know what the limit, like, when are you going to say, please do not do that again. I can't sleep now. Like, we, we, might, we were about there with the nugget porn. Well, up there with the like, I wouldn't send you actual nugget porn. Actually, if I was hammered, I might. But like, I definitely won't do that. Maybe pictures of whale poop, by the way. <laughs> what did you learn today, Jerry, about whale poop? Why don't you share what you taught me about whale poop? Is it funnier when I say it? Yes. okay so whale poop i got wrapped into some weird pyramid scheme found myself in a um in like a party i went to some book party thing and 
you know, like whatever. It was, it was fine. Like those, so this lady has a book and she's like, Oh, it's like a hardcover book. It's right for kids, blah, blah, blah. She's like, and I learned about whale poop and that, you know, it's pink and red or whatever. So I'm just like, yeah, right. Like I'm going to Google this. And I Googled it and it is really pink and red. It is the size of a tree log and it looks like it's, so if it's not, if it's not a healthy whale, it's like, like, I don't know. It's like diarrhea, I guess it's gross. And, um, if it's normal, it's just like giant logs of krill, dead krill. That's why it's red and pink. So there, there you go. I can also give you some flamingo facts too, if you want to know those. Oh, and Niagara Falls facts too. I got some of those. I think we've learned enough for today. Can I just give you the Niagara Falls thing yes, really quick? Give us the Niagara really Falls. Cool. Okay, all right. I gotta get it out because I thought it was so weird. So I guess back in the 1920s, people used to get in like big, like barrels, like like. Yep whiskey barrels and they used to jump over the niagara falls and they would they would be in the thing they either lived or died and the barrel would crack open depending on where they hit and i just thought that was the most craziest thing ever i have to find a video that i'll send to you because it sounds so cool but also dangerous i thought everybody knew about that You're, you're i definitely didn't like if you give me a good monster or spaceship with alien and i have a ghost tattoo have i ever showed you a picture of that yes you have i'm so cool i have a ghost tattoo um but like (laughs) give me a fact about Niagara Falls or nature kind like the whale thing's new to me because i don't normally google things about nature except bigfoot and maybe like what does a fish say blub but anyway uh the niagara falls thing totally my boss told me that and i'm like wow you're kind of cool you know this fact and my boss didn't my other boss didn't know that so i wasn't the only one that didn't know about the barrel thing and he's like 40 now you're both young why what are you 39 no i'm 10 i'm supposed to say no you're supposed to say yes i'm 39 well but people know i'm not 39 yeah but oh well so the new the newbies know don't know (laughs) Amanda, thank you for your time tonight. Thank oh, you for your take. My take? I don't... How did that even go, the take? But you it's all it, over. It was all... Well, it's always all over the place. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going off like four hours of sleep, too, so this is actually pretty... I'm pretty impressed with myself. All right. Well, I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, okay. Bye. Bye.